Welcome. My name is Kareem Kanji, and thank you for joining me on today's episode number 32. Uh, we are joined by a native of London, Ontario, and current host of the WWE show Aftermath, as well as an anchor on Sportsnet, Jackie Redmond. Enjoy this conversation. Thank you for joining us. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. From London, Ontario. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, when did you come to Toronto? I moved to Toronto um, for university in 2006. Okay. So I went to Humber College, well, Guelph Humber. So it was Guelph University Humber College, yeah. uh, dual program Yeah. Uh, from 06 to 2010. Okay. And what, what did you study there? I took uh, media studies, my degrees in media studies, and my diplomas in journalism. And you always wanted to do like television? Um, I always wanted to work in sports. Okay. So whatever way I could get in there, that's yeah. what I wanted to do. So whether, I mean, television was the ultimate dream, okay. but whether it was writing or PR or marketing, like any of that, so I was interested on the, in. So not on the athletic side though? No, I'm not good enough to be no. a professional athlete. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I was competitive and I played sports growing up. I played a lot of sports growing up, but yeah. I was never, I was never good enough to, to represent the country or anything like that. All right. Um, now I read somewhere that hockey is your favorite sport. That's not untrue. That's true. Hockey is my favorite. I like hockey and baseball equally. Hockey um, and baseball. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the pens just won the Stanley cup. Sure did. Um, did you have them picked or as, as one of the teams that could go all the way? I knew they were good going into the playoffs because they were, they had the most momentum and every year that, we yeah. see that those teams generally do well. Um, but I was really rooting for the Washington Capitals and I had convinced myself in my heart of hearts that that was going to happen. Yeah. And so my mind wouldn't accept anything else uh, until the Capitals were, were eliminated. I'm a big Ovechkin fan. So I okay. was, I was really hoping the Washington it Capitals would do that it. This should have been his, like it was his year almost. Well, all season long, that was the narrative, right? The Washington yeah. Capitals were fantastic. Ovi's having this great year. They're dominating the league. 50 goals. Did he 50 goals with him? This year. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Um, but yeah. They were amazing, and and going into the East, in the playoffs, you thought that they could definitely do it, but Walk over then they run into Pittsburgh, and I knew I was like, this is it. Like if if they can get past Pittsburgh, I really believe the Capitals would have went on to win the Cup. Yeah, uh, but Pittsburgh was just too good. Your thoughts on Sidney Crosby, like playoff MVP? <laughs> um. I understand why he got the MVP. I thought he was fantastic for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I think Matt Murray, man, he was so important for them. Came I thought out of nowhere. I thought he deserved it, but um, you know, Sidney Crosby's the face of the league. Um, he has been for a while, and I think he will continue to be. And so it's tough. It's tough for the league not to give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Kessel. What about him? <laughs> so I saw something online, and I knew right away it was fake, but it was, I was so hoping that it was true, that he put out this full-page ad. Oh, I saw did this. I did see this. My, actually, I had a couple of friends from my hometown uh, send me texts. Is this real? I'm like, no, that's a joke. That's what you think, he, you think his agent would let him do that? Come on. Yeah. Uh, but very funny. Um, you know what? I'm happy for Phil Kessel. Yeah. I really am. I was a big supporter of him even when he was in Toronto and took a lot of heat from the media took a lot of heat from a lot of people despite putting up 30 goals every season except for the last year that he was here so mm -hmm. um I was once the Capitals were out I was actually you know I was like I I'd love to see Kessel win a cup I think he he took a bit of a beating here he did so, a big beating yeah yeah and I don't think I don't necessarily think it was deserved at least not for for um the stats that he put up while he was playing for the Leafs yeah. When you consider what he was playing with. True. So your your next favorite sport, baseball. Yes. Big yeah. baseball fan. Um, 
How was you were at spring training? I was at spring training this year. Yeah, was first, first time. Yeah, yeah. I it was crazy because I've always wanted to take my dad to spring training and actually, you know, watch games at different ballparks because they're all very close together. Yeah, um, like the Phillies is like twenty minutes from the Jays' uh, spring training facility. So. It was interesting to be there from a work standpoint, uh, yeah. but it was really, really cool. It was very different, very different, very well, laid back. Were you busy working, or did you have a chance to like check things out? I was working. I was yeah. only there for for three days, not oh, wow. even. Yeah, it was very, very quick trip. So we were there. We we did our show, taped our interviews, and then we were out. Yeah, because you you did misplays of the as well on that. Yeah, on that we trip, did right? we did plays and misplays of the month yeah. on that trip. Yeah. Cuz when I go to Jays games, I see you talking with the players and you're looking at the iPad and Yeah, it was actually it actually turned out really well. I, I, you never really know how an athlete's going to kind of um be in an interview or if they're going to be into the to the interview but they all were very into it i guess you know they're all sports fans so um they had a good time so it turned out really well and was that sort of the focus like so when you're sitting down um you know with aaron sanchez and and you guys are looking at a play is that sort of the focus of the talk or do you have like a longer, maybe 15, 20 minute chat with him and this is just part of it? Yeah, it's crazy the amount of footage that wasn't in the show. I mean, the concept was, of course, to see how they react to the plays that they're watching and okay. especially the misplays. That was the concept. But some of the stuff that we got out of it was even better. I mean, Aaron Sanchez up until, I mean, I would say even still, is a little bit more reserved and quiet in yeah. his interviews. But on those shows, you know, he was he was howling at some of the <laughs> stuff. And I think it, it definitely showed a little bit of a different side of Aaron Sanchez, which I thought was pretty – it was interesting for me as an interviewer, and I hope it was interesting for people that watched. Yeah. So. How was it last year for you working at Sportsnet and having the Jays go on their run? And, and as a fan of, of – baseball and the Jays I'm assuming yes I, I grew up a Jays fan um they were never very good because I was super <laughs> I was super young when they won the back-to-back World Series yeah. so I I remember um you have photos of you no I have photos <laughs> of me like in like like little Jays t-shirts and stuff yeah. but like I don't remember the games I, I remember more my dad and and his friends being over and like it being more of like an event to sort of watch the Jays but I don't remember the games does that make sense yeah 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 um so yeah I, I don't really remember the world series so to answer your question um last season was unbelievable as a as a, somebody working in sports and who grew up a jays fan it actually doesn't even feel real like when i look back on it it's kind of a surreal feeling covering all of that i mean the david the week that they acquired david price when nobody thought there was a chance in hell that they were going to sure. get him then they get him they go on this magical run that i don't even know that any team could ever i mean i'm sure they could but it was like they were like 25 and 4 or something at mm-hmm. one point like they went on a crazy stretch um and then to watch them in the postseason was i was at game five of the ALDS. Oh my. Yeah. And where, it, where were you? Okay. I was, I, it's actually an interesting story. I got the tickets at about 2 PM the day of the game. So you're not working the game. You're actually attending the game. No, I was attending the game okay. as a fan. Um, and I got the tickets, uh, from someone at work that couldn't go. And I missed the top of the first cause I had to get tickets and get someone to go with me. And it was just like turned into this whole you thing. You had trouble having someone, I did because it was so last minute and it was a weekday. So I was trying to find someone to go. I finally find someone to go. I get there, miss the top of the first. And then it turns out to be the most ridiculous game in like playoff history. Um, And it honestly feels like a dream. Like that being witness to the bat flip, which I didn't even know happened until I left the dome because I was, I was behind home. Yeah. I mean, we were just like home run. Oh, god like we were just like freaking out yeah so i didn't know the bat flip happened until you know we all sort of you know the game was over and i'm like looking at twitter and i'm like bat flip i'm like what what because i was behind home plate but i was up um i was actually like the third row of the 500s which sound like bad seats but they are actually fantastic behind home plate yeah um so you could see everything but i didn't see the bat flip because i was watching the ball yeah so I didn't know until after, and I watched it on the internet, and I was like, that is insane. Like, I can't believe he did that. And it just, you know, added to the experience. But it didn't feel real. It felt like a surreal roller coaster of emotion. Wow. Yeah, it felt like a dream. It did. Your, your th- your, I'm curious about your thoughts on, on 
everything that has happened related to the bat flip. Being called out for showing up a pitcher, being called not respecting the game, um, being hit as a payback. What are your thoughts on all this stuff? Well, I'll start with um, the backlash from the bat flip, Yeah, which I had no problem with the bat flip, and I, I wouldn't have had a problem with it if, if Texas had, had done the exact same thing to the Jays. Yeah. Um, I think I, I enjoy emotion. I enjoy uh, athletes that are passionate and that are open and honest and say what they really think and, and, and are who they are. I think for the most part in sports – we don't get enough of that. So mm. when I see an athlete um, behaving in a manner that shows he's still passionate about the game despite making millions of dollars and not really having to be passionate, um, I like that. So I, I have no problem with it. I'm not really sure why people do. I don't think it's disrespectful. Outfielders make catches all the time and rob home runs, and they fist bump and jump up and high-five each other and do whatever they do, and nobody has a problem with that. Yeah. But if a batter flips his bat in the biggest game of his life, like it's yeah. not like it was game 101 of the season and True. Bautista flipped his bat. It was game five of the ALDS. I mean, everything was on the line and he can't, he's the guy and he comes through in the clutch. Of course he flipped his bat. Yeah. He did what he was supposed to do in a huge moment that he's probably dreamt about his entire life. Oh, for sure. So, I had no problem with it. I don't understand why people do. Yeah. Um, is is there a line though? Like is it like how far can you, does emotion go? So you're like also at what uh, point does it become disrespectful? Yeah. Is that the question? This whether it's disrespectful or whether it's there's no place in it for the game. So I'll give you my thoughts. I have sure. no problem with the bat flip. Um, I also don't necessarily. I go back and forth on on hitting a player. Uh, with with the baseball, I'll, oh the pitchers, yeah. Yeah, although I do agree with some people that say, well, like how, where do you draw the line on hitting someone? Because all it takes is some guy to get hit in the head, and there's his career. At the least, and at the worst, there's his health. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, where's the line in baseball on that? In terms like of thoughts, you yeah. mean with you mean with hitting batters, or you mean with hitting just batters, inter or everything, yeah. bat flips and all of it, like emotion. I think as long as you're not hurting anybody and you're not insulting anybody directly, then I then I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's not like Bautista threw his bat into their dugout, yeah. you know, when he was running by. Like, he was emotional, he was pumped, and he threw it. I mean, he threw it <laughs> epically, yeah. but it wasn't like he threw it in someone's face. That was just him letting his own emotion of the moment. He probably didn't even like realize that he was really yeah. doing it. Like it he probably was just a natural thing. reaction. Um, so I think that's the difference, right? Like he didn't throw it in anyone's face. Yeah. He was just excited about what he did. And after everything that had happened in the lead up to that play, uh, plate appearance, of course his emotions were running high. So, it's hard to say like, oh, like this is okay and this isn't and this is where we draw the line because it's so hard to say that there's just black and white when yeah. there's obviously so much gray area. That's so true. But I think as long as nobody's, you know, getting, I mean, obviously, I guess Dyson's feelings were hurt <laughs> by the bat flip, sure. but <laughs> that's, that's his perception of the moment. And yeah. I think Bautista's perception of the moment is that he was excited that yeah. he just won the game for his team. And so he threw his bat. Like, I'm a boss. I just won this game. You know, like, I just did what I needed to do. Do you think that, uh, and I don't mean to get heavy here. But no, it's okay. Do you, do you think that there's any hint in terms of the reaction of racism in, in this at all? Why do you ask that? Um, because it always seems that the argument is that there's a certain way to play. And it's... it in. And again, uh, we always have to generalize in these things, you know, when we're talking about this. But it always seems to be that it is a American player that's saying there's a certain way to play, and it always seems that it's a Latin American player that generally is more enthusiastic uh, about certain things. Now, again, you've got the Bryce Harpers of the world, where you know he's someone who loves um, showing emotion, and, and maybe he's of a different breed. But generally, it seems that. Americans don't want to show emotion or say that it's wrong to. 
and uh, Latin Americans say that it's in their blood sort of thing. Right. That's why I bring it up. Um, I think baseball is very old school mentality. Like, I don't think, I really don't think it has to do with race at all. Okay. I think that baseball is a very traditional game. I, they don't want to change. I mean, we saw how long it takes them to change, you know, instant replay and challenges and all mm. that stuff. I mean, I I think that it's just baseball wanting to be the way that it's always been. I think it's old school baseball versus new school baseball. And the Bryce Harpers of the world and the Jose Bautistas and the Marcus Stroman's are, are the new school generation of baseball players that want to be like, you know, the football players that are jumping up in Lambeau Stadium after they, you know, get a touchdown. Like, yeah. they want to show that kind of emotion, too. So... I, that's what I think it is. I don't think it's race. I just think it's new school versus old school. Fair enough. So let's go back to Humber. Okay, sure. School. You go back to school. <laughs> we go back to school. Those awkward days of school. Oh, school. Good Although times. I miss them. Yeah, good times. You, know, you no, always miss school when you're gone, when no it's done. No responsibility. Your schedule's mapped out for you. Yeah. You don't have to think about anything. You're that's just like, so true. what's my class schedule? I will plan my lifestyle around that. Yeah. And you don't have to think about it. That's it. You graduate? I did graduate in where, two, where 2010. You, 2010? Yep. That just seems like yesterday. Six years oh ago, goodness. almost. Um, did you start working in broadcast then, or, or had you done some uh, work prior to that as you're in school on your off semester or summers? So while I was in school, I did a lot of volunteer work with Rogers TV. Okay. Um, in London during the summers. Okay. So I worked on a show called Daytime, which is their morning show. Yeah. Uh, I did everything from operating cameras, um, you know, Chiron, floor directing, um, hosting in the field for free. Um, I, I did I did a little bit of everything, volunteering Just for that. Getting all that experience. Yeah, for about two, two years while I was in school. Two okay. summers I did it. What were yeah. some of the things that you learned? Oh, my goodness. Um... I learned a lot of um, the hands-on stuff, I think. Like, being in a real, live environment. And yeah. I, I'll never forget working on daytime television, operating a camera. I still remember the director's name, Andrew. And, uh, him, like, having, like, a cooking segment and him being like, oh, zoom in on, like, the onions or, like, whatever they're using. And me being so terrified, like, that I was going to shake the camera too much because you got to, like, zoom in then you got to stop. And you're like, you can't be shaky. And I just remember being so terrified of those close-up shots of, like, the food on the table. Um, but it's just, like, dealing with pressure, I think, is yeah. what I learned about. And I think I also learned about um, – just sort of reps and the and that doing something over and over and over again is really the best way to to learn. I mean, I hosted segments in the field for Rogers TV, and my first one was probably terrible. Actually, I think I did hot yoga, or so I did like a hot <laughs> yoga class, and then like t did an interview, and then did like you know a stand up report outside the place, and that was the first piece I ever like real television ever did. You must have been so excited though. Oh, I was so excited. I wasn't excited about the fact that I was going to do hot yoga okay. in front of a camera. Like, I literally had sweat dripping from my face. And this is, like, the first time I'm going to be on TV. Um, but it was a good experience. And I think, um, you know, and I'm not just saying this because I work for Rogers. I mean, that opportunity to volunteer for that for that station was, was invaluable because I got to do everything. It's interesting you call it volunteer. Well, it was volunteer when I was there. I don't know how it works now. They call it an intern. No, they called it volunteer. <laughs> oh, did they really? Yeah, I was not. I was so not. They were on the right my side title was not an intern. My title was I was a volunteer. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then when you graduated, what was sort of your path after that? So my first job post graduation was um, at a radio station called 1023 Bob FM. Okay. I was a promo girl, so I was hired to drive around a decaled orange jeep to all of the these bob jeep yeah the bob fm jeep to all of these summer events and like hand out like t-shirts and mugs and you know give kids tattoos yeah. <laughs> like do hits on the radio like little 60 second hits um from these events so that I'm was my first wash, yeah on. we're here at you know <laughs> rock the park we're you know whatever we're doing we were doing so that that was my first job post-graduation yeah. how long were you there for I was there. It was a six-month contract that I turned into about a year and a half. Oh, wow. So I started as a promo girl, but then I, um, as I was doing that, I ended up 
pitching ideas to do stuff on the web, which they didn't really have any web content. Okay. So I started doing online videos of the events that I was at. So I would bring a camera out and I would interview people that were, I would do streeters essentially, yeah. interview people that were attending the events, you know, shoot B-rolls, stand-ups, the whole shebang, and then, and then take it back and, and help edit it. So I didn't get paid extra for that, though. I just kind of pitched it, and they're like, well, if you want to do the work, you can. So then I sort of turned being a promo girl into being a web host and doing Twitter, doing their Twitter page and their Facebook and yeah. all this stuff. So um, I was there for a year and a half, I think, doing web content. Any on-air? Just online. So okay. I was like an online host. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then what happens after Bob FM? So while I'm at Bob FM, um, I start... I basically get this open casting call. Um, and I've been applying for so many jobs and I wasn't getting any interviews or anything. Um, I apply for this open casting call that was um, searching for, I didn't know what network it was at the time, but it was a national network searching for two hosts for a daily hockey show, one male, one female. And this was in London, in Toronto. It was in Toronto. The, the auditions were in Toronto. Yeah. Um, I was in London at the time and somebody sent me the, the email. I didn't actually know about it myself. And I saw it and I would, you know, they wanted the usual, right? Headshots, demo reel, resume. And I'm like, well, I don't have any of these things. Like I didn't have headshots at the time. So anybody that's in school, get your headshots. Yeah. <laughs> I never did it. I didn't have headshots. Didn't really have a demo reel. Like I had some of the stuff that I'd done at Rogers TV and some of the stuff for the radio, but I didn't feel like it was like a legit sure. demo. So yeah, but I applied anyways got my sister to take some pictures of me in my parents foyer literally <laughs> uh sent those and then I got a call to go out and audition so I went and um I did my first audition and then I got a call and I ended up auditioning for these people for about six months I would say back and forth from London wow. to Toronto yeah it was very it was a long process so I did my first one and then a month later I got a call to do a second one and then I got a call to do a third one, and the third one was actually at the Score Television Network. This is when I found out what network it was actually for. So ahead of that, I didn't know. I just knew it was a hockey show. Okay. So they brought us into the Score, and we did um, some auditions. And I thought, like, I might get this. It was down to me and, uh, I believe, three other girls or two other girls for the one uh, female host position. And we did a whole day of auditions that day in studio. I'm really like so nervous being in a real studio. Yeah. And I ended up getting a call and they said, you know what? We just think you're a little bit young. You're a little bit green. Oh. Like you didn't get it. So after six months, I'm obviously devastated. Yeah. Like I think like, oh my gosh, like that was my one shot and I didn't get it. So I go back to work, go, you know, go back to London and I'm just continuing to work at Bob FM. I got a call a few weeks later uh, from the casting agent of those auditions, and she says, you know, I know you were too young for, for this job. How and old for were this you show. back then? I was 23. Okay. Yeah, 23. 23? Yeah, 23 going on 24. Yeah. And I, you know, I was young, so she calls me and she says, um, you know, I talked to you a few weeks ago and you didn't get that show, but the producers think that you're you have a lot of potential they think you know even though you're not that experienced you have a like they want to see more of you so they have this show called Gillette Drafted that they're also involved in and they want you to submit a tape so then I submitted a tape for Gillette Drafted which what was is, that all about Gillette Drafted is a reality was a reality show the search for Canada's next sportscaster okay so it was like American Idol but for sportscasting yeah and it was on the score television network and so they asked me to apply for that so then I sent a tape for that, and I got picked to be on the show, and there was 10 of us, and we competed, and to make a long story short, I ended up winning that season of the show. Awesome. And in doing so, I got a one-year one year deal to work at the score. Okay. Yeah. And so what, were you on a, a, a certain program, or what, what sort of work were you doing? When I started at score, yeah, um, I know I didn't get a show or anything like that. See, this is what people think, right? They think that I like won this reality show and then I just had a show and like it was just oh, have like fairy tale ending. <laughs> no, I still remember showing up and just like I got put at a desk and they were just like, okay, yeah, well, we don't really have anything for you, so just like keep oh. keep up to date on sports. And I was like, okay, and so I spent I don't know about a week and a half at that desk, and I just got. I was just like, I need to do something. So I went and I pitched a story about 
Phil Kessel and Joffrey Lupul, who at the time were top five in the NHL in scoring, uh, both of them. And I'm like, there's got to be something here. Like, there's got to be a story here. And I, I was like, I'm going to find a stat that's going to work for me to pitch this story. And I found out that over the last, I don't know, 20 years or something, teams that have two players in the top five in scoring at the end of the season, 96% of them make the playoffs. Yeah. And this was when the Leafs hadn't made the playoffs in almost a decade. So yeah. I was like, this is a story. Like, yeah. I'm going to pitch it. So I pitched it, and they ended up saying, okay, yeah, go, go try and do that story. So okay. I went and, and I ended up putting it together and I got a one-on-one -on -one with Phil Kessel and I got a one-on-one -on -one with Lupul and put the story together. And that was the first thing I ever did at the score. So I did features for a little bit, I'd say two months. And these are stories that you pitched to a producer. Yeah, I just kept pitching, I just kept pitching ideas to my boss and, and he kept sending me out. Is um, that how it works? Like generally? For in, in my experience, yes. Yeah. Like you pitch an idea... A lot, a lot of times they, you get no's, but when you get a yes, it's amazing. So if you're not making your own work, you basically have either sitting around or they're letting you go. Well, you're, I mean, most, see, my situation's unique because okay. I, I came in on, on that reality show. Yeah. You know, most people, when they apply for a job, they're applying for a specific Fair position, enough. right? So they have a role, whereas I kind of just like, I want a one-year contract. And then it was like, okay, wait, what are we going to do with this person? Um, and what they ended up deciding to do with me was um, put me in the suites, which w is basically uh, cutting highlight packs. So okay. I spent the first year almost that I was at the score um, just coming in every night at 5 o'clock, watching about four or five sporting events and putting the highlight packs together. So deciding, you know, which plays are going to be in the packs, writing the scripts, putting it all together. That was like making the show. Literally putting highlight packs together, yeah, which wow. is uh, still to this day one of the best experiences of my life. Wow. I have never learned more than working in the highlight department. So in a 5-2 game, you got to figure out what goals you're showing, Yep. maybe what hits, what saves. All of it, yeah. Wow. And yeah, and you got to make it all fit into whatever time you've been given. So if you were doing, I mean, at the time, I wasn't getting all the big games, right? Like Leafs that, you, you know, you got like a minute and a half, 90 seconds, Who two minutes. Who were you minutes. writing for? Um, I actually got to voice the packs. So I wasn't on television because okay. this was the score. So their highlight wheel That's was right. th you didn't have any anchors. It was just highlight packs airing, right? And it still is like that on Sportsnet 360. Yeah. Um, so That's I did right. get to voice right. them. But my face wasn't on TV. So yeah. I wasn't on television. But Your yeah, voice I was, was. But my voice was. And I was writing packs for myself. And sometimes I was writing scripts for other people just depending on the workflow of that night. Yeah. But it was crazy because at the score – I'm not sure if it's like this at 360. I think they might get like an early game and a late game. I'm not I'm not sure. But at the score, you would come in and, and on a busy night, you would have a 7 o'clock, a 7.30, an 8, and a 10. And then you might also have a game coming in on a feed that you have to go through later. And you have to get it all done by the end of your shift. So you're watching like – I remember watching three games at one time. Now, we had the benefit of like, you know, pause and you can scroll through stuff, but – it was hard. Oh, my goodness gracious. It was hard. I learned a lot that year. A yeah. lot. Yeah. And are you there when Rogers buys, or I guess Sportsnet buys yeah. the score? I was, um, I was about a year and a bit in Okay. with the score that, that they got purchased by Rogers. And then there was a year under a trustee before it all became official and got approved by CRTC and okay. all that stuff. And were you still working at the score at that time or did you then automatically right away move over? No, I was with the score for okay. a while. So when the announcement came out that, that, you know, Rogers had purchased the score television side, um, I had just, I was on an expiring deal. I was on my second, I had gotten another one year deal from okay. the score and I was about halfway through it. Yeah. So my fear was, oh man, like while we're under this trustee, like my contract's expiring. So I'm out of here. Like I'm like, who's going to renew it? Headshots the score are going can't... out, demo tapes Oh, I'm out. like terrified. I'm like, I'm just like working really hard and hoping that, you know, it, it's going to work out. But I really, I fully expected that my contract would expire and then that would be it. Yeah. Um, but Sportsnet ended up coming in and renewing it um, okay. for another one year deal. So I, I survived that, and then I was still at the score building, even though we were now Sportsnet 360, um, for another. That's on King? Yeah, King and Peter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, like 
six or eight months before I moved into the Sportsnet building. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so when you joined Sportsnet, what was your what was your role there? So at the time um, that Sportsnet bought the score, I was hosting a show called Live at the Score. That show got canceled. Okay. And I so the only other thing I was doing was wrestling. So um, I have a wrestling show called Aftermath, WWE show. That's yours? It's not mine. I host it. It's not mine. It existed way before I came along. Say it's yours. It's not. I wish I could say it's mine, but it's not mine. Um, it was a show on the score. That's a Sunday night? It is Aftermath. a Wednesday show now. Wednesday it show. airs. Um, or sorry. Yeah, Wednesdays right now after SmackDown. Okay. Um, it'll be on uh, Fridays starting in July. Anyways, this is besides the point. Yeah. Um, so that was all I was doing at first was okay. I just had my, my WWE shows. Yeah, because the score had. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. And during, um, you know, the beginning of the days where Sportsnet took over the score was when I started doing plays of the month and misplays of the month. So that kind of started in the middle of this whole transition period was when we started doing those shows. So when I first started for Sportsnet, I was doing those shows and I was doing WWE. And you're still doing... Are you still doing WWE stuff? Yep. You started. That's right. I, I am. Still yeah. Doing Aftermath. Yeah. Uh, your your highlight shows was that with? I'm trying to think if Greg Sansoni's there. Doing um, that. Live at the score. Yeah. He was on the show. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. How is it working with him? He's amazing. Yeah. He's. I have nothing but good things to say about him. Um, he's like a mentor to me, actually. Um, he has. I've gone to him for feedback since the day I started. Is Everything he, is he that still I've around? done. Yep. Oh, yeah. He's the VP of programming now at Sportsnet. Yeah. So he um, has done very well for himself. (laughs) I don't know if he. uh, Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah, he is. Um, He does all the programming um, at Sportsnet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So wrestling. Wrestling. Yes. That's the coolest thing. It's awesome. I, I got to go to WrestleMania this year. It was the first time I've ever been to a WrestleMania and it was in Dallas. Okay, oh, that that the, uh, where the Cowboys screen? play oh, my goodness. with, the ma- with a massive screen. screen. I swear that thing is the size of a basketball court. Like it is huge. It was unbelievable. I have never witnessed an event like WrestleMania in my life. It was crazy. I've been told that wrestlers are like the nicest people ever. I've never met. Well, that's not true. I have met a mean wrestler. The Miz is not nice to me. But is, he- that, is that an act? <laughs> um, it's not an act i mean listen we joke around with each other a lot but we i mean he oh man he chirps me hard when i whenever i see him who's your favorite wrestler like all time or like now as a as a host as 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 an interview yeah hmm that's tough my favorite wrestler to interview i don't okay i I know a lot of people probably say that, but I got to interview The Rock, and he was amazing. Like, this guy is one of the nicest people ever, yeah. and he's talented, and he's smart, and can do anything. He's He really is something else, and I interviewed him. He, he was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Owens. Um, do you know who Kevin Owens yeah. is? Yeah. He, um, he is pretty fantastic as well. Like, he's quick, and he's funny. So I like Kevin Owens a lot too. I've also interviewed him three times, so I feel like you guys are <laughs> best just, buds. Now. We are. I mean, I don't BFFs. know if he would say that, but I'll say it. Sure, <laughs> we're BFFs. Um, I I sort of grew up in the Attitude Era. So did I. Of wrestling, yeah, yes. I, I loved it. Um, Stone Cold, Triple H, The Rock. It was uh, Shawn Michaels. The whole McMahon family being in this. McMahon in every corner. One yes. of my favorite. That was one of my favorites. That event. It was amazing. And and then I stopped watching. I think I grew, in air quotes, grew up. Sure. Um, uh, but then I took my son to a, uh, a a dark show. Do they call it a dark show, right? Yep. Um, at Rico Center might have been. And he loved it. And oh, it was it's so, so fun. good. But I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get back people? into it. But there's I think some... John Cena might have been the only person um, that, I re- that I remember. that. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. They've got some really, really, really talented superstars coming up now yeah. that are, that are that are a little bit newer on the scene, but they are. And I, I'm not just saying this; they are legitimately fantastic performers. Um, like, you, does your son watch? No. Okay. Okay. Enzo and Cass okay. are a new are a new team in WWE, and they are the most entertaining people ever. Yeah. They're uh, they're so popular. Yeah. 
Undertaker. Undertaker. Oh man. So we're going old school. <laughs> we are going old school. Although he was he wrestled at WrestleMania this yeah. year, so have you interviewed him? I've never interviewed him, okay. no. I wish. Yeah. I wish. I've never even met him. So Brock Lesnar is fighting at UFC 200. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, your thoughts on that? I think that it's amazing yeah. for WWE and UFC yeah. that they have been able to come to an agreement. Yeah. On Brock Lesnar, I think that that opens the door for a lot of opportunities for other things. Perhaps Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Maybe... We see her wrestle in a pay-per-view event um, or a WrestleMania. Um, I think I think it's a big deal. I think to see the two um, companies in a way work together, because I think they both benefit, right? I mean, sure. Brock Lesnar fighting at UFC 200 does just as much for WWE as it does for UFC. And I think that the fact that the two companies can realize that is means big business for both of them. Is he, is he legit? Like Brock Lesnar, like is he a legit badass? Well, I've never met him. See, this is okay. the thing. But I work with a guy that has Jimmy Corderas, and and from what he tells me, he is a ridiculous human. Like he is pretty badass. And apparently, he's Canadian, or he's repping Canada. honorary. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. He lives in Saskatchewan somewhere. So on his walk-in shirt, or the the official Reebok shirt that they have to wear, it's a Canadian flag. And apparently they're going to uh, – he's asked to be announced from, I don't know, wherever Saskatchewan, Canada. Yeah. When he when he walks in. I uh, think it's amazing. UFC. Yeah. I was, I was shocked. I didn't realize that. I know he got injured and had bad things to say about. Yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> I guess he's him. over that. Yeah. He's over that now. Um, wow. Who, John Cena, you must have met him. I have met John Cena. Yeah. I've interviewed him. He is pretty cool. Yeah. He is. He's just a pro, right? Like, he's just a pro. And, he, and the thing about him is that he he actually um, – I, I interviewed him at SummerSlam last year. Okay. And he what, – what really – I don't want to say surprised me, but what really blew me away about him is we were doing this Make-A-Wish. We were at a Make-A-Wish event. Yes. And a lot of people, you know, with platforms like that, you know, they give back and they show up and they sign the check and they, they take the pictures and they do the whole thing. He does even more than that. Like, he just genuinely, really, really wants to use his platform for good. And I have a lot of respect for that. Um, I mean, he, you know, was supposed to do all this media. And he just was like, I don't even want to do this media. Like, I'm going to go over here. And he's just, like, playing video games with the kids. We're at Dave and Buster's. And, you know, he went over and was doing all that. And I just found him to be a really, really genuine person. And I think when you're that big and you're you're that larger than life and famous and rich and all, it's easy to just forget about that stuff. But I I just found him to be really real. Yeah, it seems, and again, I don't follow it as closely as I used to. I mean, I used to watch it. I used to listen to podcasts on it, um, the whole nine yards, um, but only recently gone to a show. But it, it seemed that the kids loved him, but sort of the the educated fan who the smart fan, yes, was like uh, they didn't like him. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. It's a, you know what? I will say John Cena might be the most polarizing WWE superstar ever. I mean, people either love him. Yeah. Kids. Yeah. Or they hate him. Yeah. I mean, let's go Cena. Cena sucks is a chant that happens on a regular basis all the time. And it has nothing to do with who he's facing ever. Have you spoken to him him. about it? I haven't spoken to him about that. No, no. I'm curious if it's like it's part of the job or. I think he loves it. Yeah. I think whether he is booed or cheered. He knows that if he's getting that big of a reaction, he's doing his job and he's doing it well. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, I just met at WrestleMania. And? I like him. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just like the one-line king, right? Like, it's like constant jokes with him. Um, I only met him for a brief second, uh, but he was he was very cool. Yeah, I will always remember when he debuted on WWE. I'm trying to remember what uh, his debut was. He came out. He didn't wrestle, but he came out. He interrupted The Rock. Of course he did. And, and, he came, and I said, because I, I loved him in WCW. And I thought, this is a character. Oh, he's like, a character. Is, yeah. 
some of my favorite Jericho stuff was back in the Attitude Era, just the exchanges between him and Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Like, those were epic. I mean, I can't even say what he would what he said to her in those days, yet it was on television back then. Yeah. Oh, those were the best. Uh, so speaking of uh, uh, Stephanie McMahon, have you had a chance to interview any of the... Uh, I did of- get to, to oh. interview her and talk to her. Okay. Um, at WrestleMania, it was more of a like a scrum. So okay. I, I, and it was all about WrestleMania. Um, but she, I gotta say, she is one of the most well-spoken women I've ever come across. Like that woman is so smart. She is so well articulated. It blo- it blows me away. Is it true that her and Triple H actually run the company? Um, I mean, Vince McMahon still is the sure. boss. He is still, you know the top dog at WWE, but yes, Stephanie McMahon and triple H are, are, you know, the next two. I mean, they, yeah. they run the show. Yeah. Have you interviewed triple H? I haven't. Okay. I haven't. I wish okay. he'd be interesting because he actually is the, is the mastermind behind NXT, which is a super, super, super popular, um, I guess you, it's like a farm team. It's yeah. like it's like where before wrestlers make it to the to the big main stage, they wrestle in NXT, and it has become this indie. It's huge. I mean, they sell out arenas everywhere. Really? Um, oh my gosh! It's if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's only available on the WWE Network, but it's fantastic and it is so popular it's Mm. unbelievable and the wrestlers that are the wwe superstars that are coming up from there now are some of the best on the main roster your favorite wrestler not to interview but of all time or now let's say all time first okay all time and please don't say hulk hogan no it's not hulk hogan (laughs) um (laughs) for me there are two i know that's a cheat like that's a cop-out answer but i love them for different reasons the Rock, yeah, and Stone Cold. They I love are amazing together. They're amazing together. They are. I feel like they're two of the pillars of my childhood. Like no. they were the biggest superstars in the in WWF at the time when yeah. I was watching. Yeah. And I think I just was so entertained by both of them. I mean, anytime they were on screen, I was just I was glued. I was glued. So I like them for different reasons. Uh, I think The Rock is super entertaining yeah. and captivating. And I think Stone Cold is just such a badass. <laughs> and like back the then, like character. him saying like the things that he said and the things that he did. I mean, there was nobody like him. And, and, and he was, you know, he was your blue collar guy, like sticking it to the to the to the boss. You know, yeah. he was the best. He was awesome. I miss Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was remember? somebody. Kurt Angle, I hated as a kid. I hate. I despised him. And I, the funny thing is, is like, I mean, that was him doing doing his job, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I just hated him. I thought he was the worst. <laughs> and I really, I genuinely, in my heart, like, bought into who. I'm like, that's who he is, you know. Yeah. Um, but now, as an adult, you know, looking back on his career and seeing all the things that he, I mean, he was amazing. He was amazing. He was, he was so amazing. Good. But as a kid, I just was so, I mean, he convinced me. I, Kurt Angle was Kurt Angle to me. Yeah. And I hated him. Oh. I hated him. I loved that. I, I liked his wrestling. And I loved, he developed a, a character so quickly. Um, a character that I hated. Yeah. Did I mention that? Yeah. <laughs> Did you like his singing? You remember when he started being like goofy Kurt Angle? Oh, God. I hated <laughs> all Kurt Angle, but yes. Wow. But I respect him. Are you a uh, a UFC fan as well? I am. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm not. I'm not like hardcore. I'm not. Okay. Um, I follow like the big the big stories. But you you were with Showdown Joe on, on his show. I was for for I had a brief stint. I think it might have been five or six months. I was yeah. on um, UFC Central. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's reverse back. So that was your favorite wrestlers of all time. Who's your favorite wrestler or wrestlers today? Oh man, tough. Um, I really like, I mean, everyone that watches my show will be like, oh, Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns. But that's because I have a crush on him. That's not because he's my favorite wrestler. Um, Seth Rollins is really great. I love to hate him. Okay. Uh, but he's a, he's a fantastic wrestler. Um, AJ Styles, who's 
newer on the scene, but if you He's like been around for forever. Yeah. yeah. See, but I, I, you know, don't follow the indie circuit. Yeah. So I had only heard about him. And I how wasn't, is he? Is he still amazing? He is so good. Yeah. He is so good. Uh, so he's somebody that I really like to watch now. Um, Enzo and Cass, from an entertainment standpoint, mm-hmm. are amazing. If you don't know who they are, you should go check them out. Um, they're fantastic as well. Who else is there? Finn Balor, who's in NXT. Okay. He's really good. I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting his call-up to the main roster because what that guy does in the ring is just... It's stupid. It's stupid. He's just so good. He's such a good wrestler. And he also, like, he wears war paint down to the ring. And he's just, he's cool. Yeah. Is the Big Show still around? The Big Show is still around. Uh, or does he just do, from like, the here and shows? there? Yeah, he's not, he's not a big part of it right now. He was not that long ago. Yeah. But right now he's still there. But He seems to me like someone who's probably like a kid and a softie. I don't know. I've never met him, okay. so I don't know about Big Show. But who, so who have you met that you've got a, uh, that you think of one way, and then as soon as you meet them, and you go, "Wow, he's he he or she is is much better than I thought," or conversely, that guy. I, you probably can't say who are the jerks. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> Unfortunately, unfor- yeah, the Miz I can do that too because I do that to him on camera, and he does it to me. So. So who, have you met anyone where you where you had uh, you thought, oh, I'm not really sure I want to meet this person or I'm not really sure I'm going to be like this interview. But afterwards, it's like, wow, that was pretty cool. I don't think there's been anyone where I was like, oh, I don't know about this person heading in. Yeah. But there's definitely been people that, you know, I just couldn't really get a read on um, until I interviewed them. And then I thought that they were they were great. Um one of those people would be Cesaro. He, uh, do you know Cesaro? I've heard of the name, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Cesaro is a fantastic wrestler. I mean, I one of the questions I asked at SummerSlam last year was, you know, if you could be anybody in WWE 2K16, except yourself, you can't pick yourself, who would you be? Every single guy said Cesaro. Like, he's just got so much respect from his peers. Wow. And then I met him knowing that, okay, everyone respects him. He's a really, really great wrestler. But then I met him, and he is just the nicest guy, <laughs> so into wrestling. Like, we had him on Aftermath, and so he walks into studio. And one of my co-hosts is Jimmy Corderas, who refed in WWE for, like, 20 years. If you saw him and you watched during the Attitude Era, yeah. you would know who he is. Okay. Because he refs some of the most epic matches. He, he's, there's still refs in the video games that look like him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like, he's, he was a big deal. Um, and Cesaro walks in and instantly just looks over and goes, Oh my God, Jimmy Corderas, I'm a huge fan. And so Cesaro is like this, like super, super wrestling fan. I mean, they all obviously are fans of wrestling, but Cesaro's next level. Like he loves wrestling. He's a huge fan. He's been a fan his whole life. And so he knew who Jimmy Corderas was right away, even though he'd never met him before because he started after Jimmy had left. Yeah. So... I, that took me by surprise. I was just like, oh, wow, this guy this guy is a wrestling nerd like, his nice. whole life. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, Seth Rollins took me by surprise last year at SummerSlam. I interviewed him, and I, I expected that he would, you know, live up to his character. But he was a jerk. He was like, not in a bad way. In like, he was Seth Rollins, and he was very, very quick on his feet. Very quick. And uh, it was it was a fun interview. I mean, we were. So he was still in character. He was, yeah, yeah. Do they do they all tend to do that? Like, when do they break character? When are they in character? It depends on what per, who you're talking to. Some like okay. the Miz yeah. is always the Miz. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rollins can dip in and out, but I think just my personality forced him to go into character. I mean, okay. I I see. I call him a jerk, but I called him a weasel like to open my interview, so <laughs> that might have something to do with it, but. Uh, yeah, he kind of dips in and out. It depends who you're talking to okay. with, with the character stuff. So you get into uh, Sportsnet. Yep. You've got the highlight show. You've got the misplays of the month show. And you've got the wrestling show. Well, yes. The highlight desk I wasn't doing yet. Okay. Just the countdowns. Okay. Um, so I was doing the countdown shows and I was doing the wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was your? When did you start on the uh, UFC Central? UFC Central 
was one of the first things I did. Okay. I'm trying to place the time, and I can't remember now when that started. It was early, early on. And I only did it, like I said, for like four or five months. And then that show was canceled, and it wasn't there anymore. Um, that was because TSN got the rights? Yeah, yeah, Sportsnet didn't get the rights. So then that show was gone. Um, and I was back to doing just the, the, the two countdown shows a month. And then on a weekly basis, just the, the wrestling. Yeah. So uh, what ended up happening is I ended up um, covering diving for Sportsnet. Okay. Swimming and diving. Is this during, is, is there a world championship so happening? So the or? first thing I did was the 2012, 2012? Yeah, that would make sense. The, was it 2012 or 2014? It would have been 2014 because the world championships happen every two years yeah i don't remember what year it was but i did the world championships uh the world aquatic championships for swimming we had a whole show every night on Sportsnet. okay and i hosted it and where was that you hosted the show i hosted it yeah That's awesome so that was my first well it was i, I guess my third show that i did for Sportsnet because i had done like you said ufc central yeah. and i had done actually did ufc central come after that ufc central came after that okay um, but I did do Hockey Central Playoff Extra was the first show that I did for Sportsnet. But that was for like a month. And then that was it. Yeah. But this, over. Yeah. That was like when they first, first took over. Okay. And we were still doing it out of the score building. And then I did the swimming stuff uh, that summer. So and you're here in Toronto doing it. Yes. Okay. And that was eight days. It was eight days. It was an eight day okay. event. So yeah. it was eight days. Um, covering all the races and swimming. And I learned a ton. I mean, I didn't really know anything about swimming going into it. So how do you prep for something like that? Oh, my gosh. Um, you do a lot of research on the swimmers. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough that there was actually somebody at Sportsnet that used to swim with the national team okay. um, that works behind the scenes as a producer. So he was kind of my right-hand man. He kind of taught me a lot about the sport so that, I could, you know, understand it better and and as a result, cover it better. The lingo as well. The lingo, yeah. the slang, kind of like, you know, I would write my scripts and he would sort of look at them to make sure that, you know, everything made sense and I wasn't saying something stupid. Um, but, I, I mean, I learned a ton doing that eight days of swimming. Yeah. And what that ended up turning into was, I guess, Swimming Canada liked me or something or Diving Canada. Uh, because then there was a couple of diving events about six months later, and I got to do those. Nice. Uh, so I got to go out to Quebec. I went to, um, or no, I went to Gatineau, and then I went to uh, Windsor, and I did two international diving events there. Didn't know anything about diving. Okay. Didn't have a right-hand man for those. Just had to. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just had to teach myself about diving. Um, although I did, Alex Depati was our was our analyst for those shows. Okay. So I got to spend some time with him. So these are just highlights. This is like a live. This we were covering the events, wow. yeah, and they were diving. That we were covering them um, wall to wall. So I was basically the poolside reporter. So I just I interviewed the swimmers or the divers after they they finished their dives, um, and did you know vo's and hosting. So like you know opening the show, throwing to the guys, clo yeah. you know throwing to break that sort of thing. Oh wow. Um, but yeah, I got to interview the swimmers as, or the divers. I keep saying that the divers as well. Uh, but yeah, I had to teach myself a lot, but it was crazy because at the time it was like, okay, I'm going to go do this thing that I never thought I would do that. I, I know pretty much nothing about. Yeah. And when you get through it as hard and challenging and frustrating, frustrating as it can be, you get through it and then you go, wow, if I can do that with a sport that I don't really know then I can, I feel like I can do anything. Did you, and have you started since then where you started pitching different ideas on no. sort of broaden those horizons? I mean, I pitched stuff here and there, but it, it was a different um, animal at Sportsnet. The score was very small. Mm. So I just walk into an office and pitch a story. And it's like that at Sportsnet too, but there's a lot more going on, right? Like they have a baseball team and they have, NHL, an NHL department and all of these things, whereas Sportsnet was just a bunch of us trying, trying yeah, yeah. to, you know, create television. So it's a little bit different. And I do that now. But at the time when I was doing the diving stuff, I was just 
kind of going assignment to assignment that I was given and trying to prove myself almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what those diving things led to was me doing a swimming event in Australia the wow. following summer. Yeah. How was that? It was un believable basically i got to cover the pan pacific championships okay which are like the pan am games a little bit bigger um you know so some of it counts for olympic qualifying you had like the big names there ryan lochte michael phelps all these big name swimmers um and i got to go to australia so it was um it was really really great and that sort of that event changed my life because i worked with some people that had been in the business a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And so when I finished that event, um, one of the producers kind of came back and said to, you know, my boss at Sportsnet, like, you know, you should take a look at this girl. Like, she's got something. And then I ended up auditioning for the highlight desk, which I'm doing now. Nice. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. It's pretty crazy where this business can take you. Never did I think I'd be covering swimming in Australia. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. That a never was baseball fan. Yeah, a hockey baseball fan just wanting to grow up and cover the Leafs and Jays and then she's covering swimming in Australia. Unbelievable. Yeah. Have you been anywhere since covering sports or where else have I gone? Um I covered the CIS championships in Halifax last year. Yeah. Um Which sport? That's hockey. hockey. I cover. I cover. Sorry, I covered the the men's hockey. I covered. I mean, with wrestling, I've gotten to go to a few places. Oh, I've right. gone to that's Dallas. Right. I've gone to New York. Um, yeah, spring nice. training. That's about it. Perfect. But yeah, it's been good. So let's let's go heavy again. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um. Women in media generally, but even more so women in in sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, has it been? It's from what you're telling me. It's sort of you sort of made your own road, made your own path, pitching things and, and trying to keep yourself busy and and you know uh, putting yourself in a position where okay, there's someone that wants to learn. There's someone that is keen and wants to you know create stuff. But I'm curious if you've ever felt anything as a result of you being a woman in a quote-unquote uh predominantly male historically male industry felt any like felt that i i've had it harder or yeah like, that you've what do had you mean? to do you've had to try twice as hard or you've had uh things passed up because just because you're you um you know, every time I talk about this, I think I always come back to the same, I always draw the same conclusion. Yeah. And I think that sports in particular is a competitive, tough business for anybody, uh, man or woman. And I'm not just saying that it is, it's, it's competitive. It's cutthroat. Everybody wants to, you, everybody wants to work in sports. Everybody wants to, you know, be on television and and do all of those things. And I think that in my experience, I don't think being a woman has held me back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that I'm the type of person, like you said, like I've always taken action. I've never, you know, waited for something to be given to me. I've always kind of tried to go out and, and get it. And it doesn't always work out in my favor, but um, I don't think that has anything to do with, with me being a woman. I think it's just um, there's politics everywhere in this world and i don't think that that's um unique to the to the sporting industry or to the media industry um i feel like women have come a long way yeah i think there's a long way for women to go but i also think that you know those things take time so um i mean when i was growing up there was when i was really young there was like no women on in sports then when i was about i don't know i guess i'd say grade seven eight nine maybe I started to see the hazel maze of the world um, on television. And I remember that being a big inspiration for me. I remember when she used to do the highlight desk on Sportsnet back in the day. You're so young. (laughs) Back in the day, hazel maze. Back in the day. Like, yeah. just started. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I I mean, I might have been in high school, actually, when she when she started. I have to look up the year. (laughs) But, um, you know, and and now you look and there are women everywhere covering sports. It does seem that way. They're everywhere. So. I think that that's and and there's all different you know kinds of women. I mean, Katie Nolan is someone that I look up to, hmm. big time. I think she's amazing. She's different than anyone else in sports. Do you, in this world of um, of social media, 
Um, how often do you deal with haters just because you're female? Okay, there it's a different story. Okay. Um, social media, yeah, there are people on social media that will question my uh, credibility because yeah. I'm a woman. Or that will just say rude things to me because I'm a woman. Yeah. And I don't think it's because I work in sports. I think that women everywhere deal with that um, online. And I think it's the the root of that problem is that there's no accountability on Twitter mm. or Instagram or yeah. any of these these social media platforms. Uh, people aren't held accountable for what they say. Um, but everyone gets hate. I mean, my, I have male colleagues that get ridiculous amount of hates online too, or hate tweets online too. The difference is their hate tweets are like, I, I mean, I'm generalizing here, but like, are like, you suck. I hate you. Whereas mine are like, women know nothing about sports. Sure. Take your shirt off. Like, so, you know, stuff like that. So that's an unfortunate side of social media. I wouldn't even say it's an unfortunate side of the media business. I think yeah. it's an unfortunate side of social media. Um, but I don't, I don't know how that gets fixed. How do you, how do you deal with it? Um, it was a lot harder when I, when it first started happening to me. Yeah. Um, I've gotten better at dealing with it. And to be honest, I don't, I don't deal with it on an overwhelming uh, basis. But there's so much more positive stuff online, at least yeah. in my experience, than there is negative That's good. that I just have to remind myself, like, don't focus on one person when there's 20 other people that have tweeted you before that singing your praises and being really nice. So I try to I try to live for the supporters, not the haters. And I, so I I just try to tune it out. Responding never does any good. I have responded from time to time. And? It, gets your blood it doesn't lead anywhere, right? Sometimes people will say, oh, I'm just joking. Uh, oh, I sure. was just kidding. And then other times they just get meaner. So there's really no point. So, and it's just, I mean, there's no point responding. So I don't respond to them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So re related to that, so obviously I, I had to, so we don't have television anymore in our house. Actually, we, okay. haven't, we haven't had TV since 2000. So everything is sort of online. Um, so whatever I consume is online. Um, so I, I obviously had to do some research on you. Right? So sure. I'm typing your name and uh, we need to get a Wikipedia page set up for you. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I know I don't have one. Um, how does that even, I don't know how people get Wikipedia pages. I think somebody just does it. So you just like submit something. I think so. Oh yeah. I've I, never I looked know. into it. Um, <laughs> so as, as I was doing that, so you're on a couple of websites. Okay. Um, and I, and I'm curious how you feel about being on places like, like, I think it's called Chive and okay. uh, women and girlfriend websites and stuff. I'm, I'm women and girlfriend websites. It's WAGS something. Really? So you know, in soccer, okay. they've got like a, a WAG section, women okay. and girlfriends of the soccer players or something. So it's named something like that. Okay. I might be totally wrong. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious your, your thoughts on being um, featured in, in places like that. Um, You mean like being featured in places like just like for my looks? Yeah. Um. Listen, it's flattering. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't flattered by that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, everybody likes to be complimented, but I try in my job and what I do on television, whether it's misplays of the month or on the highlight desk, um, to stand out by being myself. And I don't think that I'm like a traditional broadcaster. I think that I, you know, I laugh a lot. I, I make jokes. I say silly things. Um, and I like to think that being different and being who I am and, and focusing on what makes me Jackie Redman is why people tune in to watch me. Not because they saw an article on Chive that said I was cute. I mean, yeah. I think there, I think, I think lots of girls are cute. I think there are cute girls everywhere. So I don't think that I, I, I like to think that that has nothing to do with my actual cool. job and why people watch me. Cool. Any advice you have for, Young, aspiring boys and girls looking to get into into media. My biggest thing, and it's, I'm going to sound like a like a it's going to sound so textbook, but it's just the truth. Two things: one is um, just like be prepared to work and put yourself out there and and go after what you want because I don't think a lot of people actually go after it. You know, you have to do something. You have to act. You have to take action even if you're not necessarily in your dream job yet you need to do things that will help you get there yeah 
for example, um, when I was working at Bob FM, I wanted to be on, I wanted to work in sports and be on TV so bad. I wasn't doing it. Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, right now I'm handing out t-shirts. That was my job. It's yeah. not even a media job. Let's just be honest. It wasn't. I say it's my first job in media because yeah. it was at a radio station, but I was handing out t-shirts. Yeah. And I realized like they don't do anything on the web. They have this little camcorder sitting in their office. And I thought, can I go make videos? Can I go do that? And that ended up turning into more videos and more videos and more videos. And I like to think that because of the experience I got, you know, doing those field reports, that it prepared me for Gillette Drafted when I had to actually speak in front of a camera. Yeah. I, I was familiar. Um, I also used to read a teleprompter in my kitchen, my parents' kitchen and record myself and then watch it like it was like game tape or something. And you have like, to focus on... Like not- so what I would do is I, I would have a laptop and there was a website where you could put script into a fake teleprompter. Okay. Uh, they probably have apps for it now. You can probably yeah. do it on your phone. Um, and I would turn on my webcam and I would record and then I would do a fake broadcast to my webcam and then I would watch it back and try to critique like I had I had someone tell me at an internship once that I blink a lot when I'm on camera. So I'd like see how many times I'm blinking. I'd watch what I was doing with my hands. Wow. I would listen to the things I was saying. I'll never forget my dad coming in, coming in and seeing me doing this in the kitchen, just being like, what are you doing? And me telling him and being like, wow, you are such a loser. And me being like, it's going to pay off one day. It's going to pay off one day. And then the first challenge I had on Gillette Drafted was reading a teleprompter. Oh, my goodness. And I won the challenge. Because you know why? Because I was in my kitchen reading a fake teleprompter for a year. Um, and but yeah. that? Oh, he knew he didn't. I didn't have to tell him he knew. Um, But yeah, like that's the kind of advice that I always and I always tell people those stories because I'm like, I wasn't in a position to gain that experience on my own. So I figured out a way to grow, even though I didn't have the job that was going to give me that experience. So doing things like that, putting yourself out there and just like when you do get a job, whether it's giving out T-shirts or hosting a podcast or I mean, now people are online. You can do so much online. You can create a YouTube channel. You can just create content and work, 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 work. Like that's the, I am where I am because of my work ethic. No two ways about it. It is. That's the number one reason. It's not talent. It's not looks. It's none of that. Yeah. It's because I work really hard. What's your dream job? I have it. I legitimately have it. Yeah. I mean, I want to do everything. Um, I would love to. I would love to cover all of the bi- the major, like championships. Like I would love to cover a Super Bowl and a Stanley Cup final and a World Series. I would love to do those things one day. Maybe one day I will. Um, but right now, I think I have a pretty sweet gig. Is Sportsnet sending anyone? I know. I think CBC has the Olympics. But is Sportsnet sending anyone? We have. We will be covering the Olympics. Yes. Okay. I'm not sure who is doing what. Um, Pitch a show. I'm not part of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Sportsnet will be involved in the Olympics for yeah. sure. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, yeah, covering the Olympics is on my list. But right now, I'm really focused on interviews, getting good at interviewing because yeah. I haven't done a lot of that. So, is there is there a show you'd like to do? I okay. So the the show that I used to do at the Score Live at the Score. Yeah. It's a, it was a sports talk show. I would love to do something like that again because that's the I mean, to be able to talk sports was just so much fun and make picks and like just like do fun things. Yeah, I would love to do something like that. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I hope I hope you were I hope I lived up to to expectation. No, (laughs) I, I hope you've had fun. I have a great time. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks.